On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, hey, they've always got the good oil. Pity you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. Welcome to Monday's Experts, an opportunity to find out the story behind the name. And my guest today is a name that a lot of our trainers and owners and connections would know of because he is the man that gets on the phone and tries to get his jockeys that he represents rides in various races. And he's been very successful at doing so and he continues to be very successful. But he's got a good story behind it. Uh, Brian Haskins is my guest today and he joins me on the phone. Good morning, Brian. Yeah, morning, Dave. How are you, mate? Very good. I know you're a busy man, so I appreciate you doing this. How, how many right. hours a week do you reckon you spend on the phone? Ooh. Gee, that's a tough one, Dave. Oh, it's pretty relentless. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, oh, the phone probably started about, you can start about 6.30, 7 in the morning. I mean, you could still be doing it 8, 9 o'clock at night, you know. I mean, obviously, there's time in between, which is spare, but it's, and that's every day of the week, too, you know. Yeah. There's, uh, yeah, there's no days off, so oh, it's hard to say, but it's a very long time, mate. And I guess you're just obviously constantly, as a jockey manager, just watching races. Not only the what your current jockeys are riding in their respective races, but no doubt what's happening around them, because yeah. you need to be almost ahead of the game. Yeah, absolutely. You can't. You know, you just the TVs are on non-stop, and you know it's it's just they're going round and round. You've just got to keep watching them, haven't you? So you know trials, races. And a lot of interstate stuff now because it's become so, you know, it's a bit different these days. You know, the horses go all over the place. And they, they can come back to Sydney from Melbourne and Brisbane. you just got to keep on top of everything, haven't you? So, yeah. Is, yeah. Do you ever get time to switch off? Because I have often thought that if you, if you um, with your lovely partner or, you know, say you get an event you've got to go to, it might be a wedding or whatever, how do you keep on top of it? Or you just have to simply... Just keep watching, no. even when you're away. Yeah, no, really, you really don't get time to completely switch off. You know, it's just relentless, on non-stop. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes I, I'll get me two or three weeks over in England for a break, and yep. I, I can give the jockeys to a few of the other boys. But um, like I did it this year because Dylan was in the Premiership fight. I sort of was still doing. I was you know, sitting up till three in the morning, and and still trying to keep on top of it and, and working with Cameron Swan over here. He was helping me out, but. So you know, even even my two weeks in Holland, you know, three weeks in England was was sort of affected. Uh, you know, but normally June, July is a very good time to have a break. But when, if they're in a premiership fight, you know, it's uh, it's a bit it's a bit different. So yeah, Let, let's talk about your your current stable uh, for our audience. And we're chatting with Brian Haskins this morning, a jockey manager, folks. And there'll be a lot of people listening to this that may not have heard. Uh, you know, about a jockey manager or, you know, some of these uh, particular things that we're going to talk about this morning. So who who do you represent when you're contacting trainers? At the moment, uh, Karen McAvoy, Jason Collett, Jay Ford and Dylan Gibbons. So obviously four different riders, four very good riders, but they're different in their own way uh, in yeah. terms of their riding style. So if you're contacting a particular trainer, um, do you sort of, do you watch these horses and go, that was a really good run, and I know that Jason would be suited to that horse, or actually, I think Dylan would be. Do you put those names mm. forward, or is it more the trainer Not coming really, to no. you? Yeah. No, it's it's you, every, every different every jockey has their sort of go to stables. You know, you, you yep. sort of work with those guys. You, you sort of work with those guys first, see what they need them for, 
you know, I don't. If if there's a spare ride, I, I wouldn't just ring for one jockey and say this this one would suit better. I'd um, I'd just ring and tell them who's who's free and you know let them work out who they want. You just gotta, you know, just gotta present your jockeys who are free and uh, and see if uh, see if they they're happy with any of them. You know, but you wouldn't actually chase one horse for a certain jockey, really. No, unless it's uh, connected. Unless it's one from there. You know, connected with an owner or a stable that they ride for. Tell yeah. tell us about how this all started. Now, I heard uh, a a rumor, Brian, that you came to Australia originally because you love neighbours. That's pretty right, actually. Yeah. So um, fair income. So, so what, what were you doing in England? So obviously, you grew up in well, England. What were you doing over there? Well, yeah. Well, it probably wasn't until I was until oh, about fourteen. I got into racing. I, I didn't like racing. My my dad. He he'd he'd watch the races and have a bet, and I remember I used to, I used to watch him go around and think, why the hell, you know why would you watch these? What's it? It's just no interest. I thought, well, you know, why would you do that? And then I think I, I was about fourteen. I I got chickenpox or I got something, and I was staying at home for a week or two. And I remember laying on the lounge and he was watching the races then. And I, I thought, oh god, anyway. So I started. He said, well, just pick a number out, and I started picking them. And I reckon within two or three weeks, I was hooked. Wow! I was just, and then, then, I was, I, then I started buying a sport in life every day, and then I, next thing you know, I'm having these little bets, and, and it just took off. I, I went from hating it to absolutely loving it. Yeah. So that was about I was about fourteen then. Yeah. So then, uh, then I um, once I started having a few little bets, and uh, I, I remember I bought the time form, uh, big time form book, you know, and uh, I remember the first day of the season, I thought, right, I'll, I'll get all the ratings, and I worked out some bets and. I think I had a lucky 15 with four horses and three of them won at good prices and one ran second. I remember, I think I might have won 200 pounds or something when I was a kid, you know. Yeah. I thought, how was this? So. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, so and, and did you get involved with the racing game over there or just purely well, just an interest in part? Yeah, so then, so then I was, yeah, so then I was, you know, I was going down, I was going down to Labrooks in my school uniform at dinner time, and I was—I don't know—no no one said a word back then. I was—I was putting bets on in my school uniform. So that was, so I did that for a few years. And I, I mean, I was—I was okay at school. I was probably meant to go to university and all that. But I, I thought, by then, I thought, right, I'm going to get out. When I'm 16, I'm, get, I'm out of here. I'm going to the stables. I'd never, never been on a horse or anything. Never been near a horse. But I thought, if I go to the stables, I'll—I'll I'll, I'll get lots of good tips, and I'll—it'd be great. I'd win heaps of money. So. I thought, well, I started taking some riding lessons, started riding a few horses, try to try to learn that, and uh, wrote. I think I wrote about a hundred letters to people all, all over the country for stables, and got about two replies, and ended up getting a job in Newmarket with a bloke called Paul Callaway, who was a top jump jump jockey and uh, lead trainer. So went there for. I mean, it was only a month's trial. Went there, and then that was tough work. He was hard man. He was. Um, and then uh, I found another job uh, down down Guildford Way, south of London. So I just yeah, and just started riding horses, and I was there for a few years. Um, and then I got a job with an ex soccer player called Franny Lee up, up north in Manchester. And it was around then when Neighbours was so big. Like Neighbours, we get 16 million people a day would watch Neighbours wow. in England. So it was probably the best advertisement for. 
for Australia. Who was, was the best sort, though? That's that's come on. Well, Kylie, well, Kylie Minogue. <laughs> so yeah, you yeah. just saw Kylie and went, oh, I saw I'm Ky- going to Australia. I, saw, <laughs> I did. I saw it. And I used to say, I used to say to the boys, I'm going there. You know, I'm, I'm, that's, I'm going there. They'd say, you're not going anywhere. I said, well, I am. So I, I got my visa, working holiday visa. And I thought, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll go meet Kylie. Didn't realise she was in Melbourne. I landed in Sydney. I didn't realise it was 10 hours away. Anyway. <laughs> I think she heard I was coming too, because when I moved over there, she moved to England. So, that's the end of that. <laughs> and when you la- when you landed in Sydney, Brian, so did you come to? Would you, was your working visa obviously racing related? You, you, you got- no, no. First, first visa is working holiday, so you can just do whatever. Um, well, I think you, actually, I think you meant to. I think you meant to move around and do odd jobs, you know, like fruit picking and that. But um, I moved. Uh, I had a relative I'd never met. Um, they were in Maroochydore. I right? okay. flew there. I think I was only twenty. Uh, and I, I stayed with them for a week, and somehow I I got in touch with someone. And, or someone put me in touch with someone, a uh, Johnny Wallace up there at Gold Coast, and he was mates with Denham's, and they got me they got me a job there. Alan Denham picked me up from from uh, Marucci Door with Rodney Payne. They they were up there with horses. Wow! Uh, and they picked me up and drove me home. Drove me drove me to Sydney, where I started down there at Jacks in '89. Yeah. So uh, one thing I should ask too, because and we're chatting with Brian Haskins this morning on Monday's Expert. So your parents obviously at the time, like when you you know you started you know had a little punt and having some success, the old man would have been going, "How good's this?" Uh, what was what was mum? Was the were the parents happy for you to jump on the plane, or did they sort of say, "Mate, you should be you well, know, this is, here"? This and... is... No, no, that, that I left home at sixteen, so that yeah, was, yeah. So I mean, they, they were. They were hoping for me to go to the stables at sixteen, which um, yeah, you know, which was good. Um, but I, yeah, by the time I came here, I'd, I'd been out of home for three or four years, so it was it wasn't yeah. I think they were, I don't I think they were a bit surprised I was doing it, but uh, I don't they never said you can, don't do it. Yeah, they're not, not one of those um, sort of parents who were like, no, 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 this is no, come on, the, the the fun's over. When are you going to start with a a no, real job, so no. to speak? No, 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 they were fine. No, no, no problem at all. So, isn't it funny yeah. at the time in, in Marucci Door? You, you know, you get picked up by Rodney Payne and Alan Denham, and at the time you just were thought, "Oh, who are these blokes?" And now reflecting on that, two really important people in That's racing right. just yeah. driving yeah. you down the highway. That would have been yeah. an interesting drive. I mean, you probably this whatever they were talking about, you probably weren't absorbing properly. But you're looking back, going, "Geez, what an earth! Uh-huh. That's unbelievable." I remember Alan saying to me, uh, "We, you know, you have to get up at two a.m. to start work at two thirty. I, I, I just, I thought he's absolutely joking. Cheer me up. I mean, that's just insane. And I found out that was real. That that, that was a bit of a shock. Yeah, you know, we had, we started two thirty, Jack. So that was uh, wow. That was uh, two o'clock in the morning. We were getting up. Um, that was that was tough. But um, actually, I, I got my name because Alan drove me down in the car with him for about ten hours and." Apparently they kept saying, you know, oh, do you want to do you want a drink? Do you want some breakfast? Do you want this? And I go, yeah, yeah, oh, cheers, mate. Yeah, cheers, cheers, cheers. So that's how I got my name. So when I walked in the stables, they, all, they said, oh, yeah, they, they said, uh, oh, what's his name? And Alan just looked and he went, cheers. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's so, it. That's what. That's where I got that from, and it, it stuck with me. What was it like working for the dinners? Obviously, um, paranoid is not the right word, but it seems like working for Jackie. He really had a a, a, a very tight knit team around him. Unbelievable. Well, yeah, the, the early years when we were there, the, the team we had were just they were just unbelievable. Like great strappers, great work riders, just 
brilliant, brilliant. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a lot harder to keep them guys together in stables these days. I you know, it's probably not as uh, not, a, not as much of an enjoyable job, I wouldn't think. But but um, geez, we had we had a good t- we had just great horses. And well, I mean, the first two horses, I, they gave me four boxes and they said they're yours. And two of the horses I had were Joanne and Trisco were my first two. Jeez. You might not remember them too well, but... Trisco, I, I do, not the other one. Yeah, Joanne, Joanne won a f- probably the first eight or nine races. Um, yeah, she's she won a Light Fingers at a full start. And, and then she went to Melbourne, won a Rupert Steele. Yeah, she won heaps of group races. Never won a group one, but she was, she was a super little horse. Mm. Yeah, Trisco, she was good. And so, um, and what I mean by that, that comment about the paranoia is that from I've read so much about that denim stable and mm. have read, even though it wasn't in the book Chance, uh, I read a lot about, you know, back in the days of, of the betting and, and whatnot, um, where, you know, certain stables were obviously very good at, you know, pulling off a plunge or if there was money for a yeah. particular stable. So one thing I, I'm fascinated by is, I mean, these days it seems like a tip can go like wildfire. But yeah. back then, oh, he, obviously yeah. there was a – and I mean by a very loyal group of people who obviously yeah. knew, hey, this horse was flying, but yeah. we don't talk out of school. Yeah. I wouldn't – I heard he, like, you know, all the plunges he pulled off. I, you wouldn't hear as – a, as, a, as a worker there, I didn't hear a lot of them. Yeah, only, which is fascinating. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, it, just, it was just very closed, yeah. yeah. You, um, you find out after, oh, geez, they, they thought that was a good thing, but how I – didn't um didn't didn't get involved in many myself. Um, You're thinking, oh, they've left me out again. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, we used to, I mean, he used to take three or four to Hawkesbury. I mean, they just they just go the straight to the front and just keep going. Hawkesbury was a bit different then, but you know that was quite a local track. But you know, Jack someone there and said it'd win. It'd be winning. It'd be winning. Uh, yeah. We're chatting with Brian Hassins this morning. Brian, what about so you've you've got those four boxes? Talk about your your day to day. Routine, what what you're doing with these horses, and and how different it was from what you were doing with them in the UK. Oh well, yeah. I mean, in in England, we were starting at six six thirty seven or whatever, and which is winter or not. And you ride three three a morning. You know, you do your trot up the street, and you go for a nice little gallop, and you walk home and have a bit of breakfast. Just take it easy. But I come here and hopped on a hopped on a horse, and then I oh yeah, we have to walk across track. 2.30 in the morning, put them on a walking machine, go have some breakfast, then we walk to the track about 4, 4.30. And then, yeah, you'd hop on your first horse and then someone would take it off you and jump on the next one. Next thing, you're doing 10 horses. It's absolutely another world, you know. It's, mm. well, your, legs are, your legs are killing you and you're, it's just a struggle. It's just, yeah, completely different. Completely, uh, completely different way of training horses, yeah, which uh, was a bit of a shock, but... And, and obviously, you rode some very nice horses, some champions. So, did that? You obviously then I, started to learn the difference between a a good horse and a very, very good horse. I, I didn't ride a lot of gallops. Um, there was some top world riders there, Brett Grant, okay. Rodney, Rodney Payne. I, I rode a lot of. I did. I used to ride Marwina. I don't know if you remember him, but he was he was an absolute machine. But he he, didn't, he went he went a bit sore and didn't didn't show his best. But he was. He was the one I used to ride a lot, but I used to I rode a lot of babies in the end. I was riding ten, twelve yearlings and that, and yeah, that could be fun when you're. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, 
Yeah, because uh, once you you know you, you can be going good, if you have a couple of falls in a row, all of a sudden you're losing your losing your nerve a bit. Every heavy horse gets a bit of a gets a bit tricky. But um, no, there was times I was riding ten, twelve babies. Um, but no, it was great fun. Um, yeah, so how did you? Like, oh, you you go, Brian. Sorry, mate. Yeah, I, so basically, I was there for a year and did a bit of backpacking because my visa ran out, so I had to go home and uh, I had to go back to uh, the stable I worked for over there. So I had a bit of a break just to get another visa, so to get a temporary residence visa. So that, now I came back to Jacks again, so I had a bit of a, a year gap, but um, came back for another year. Um, and then I had to go home again and I had to organise re- residency, so that was a bit tricky, but that, that took another year. So I was back with the fours a couple of times with visas. Um, and then uh, I can't remember exactly what years, but um, uh, I gay, I worked for Jack. I came back and worked for Jack for another probably five or six years. Um, you know, and finally realised I could make the same money just riding track work and work a lot less hours. So I did that for about a year or two, year and a half. Yeah. When did you become a manager? Well, when I was riding track work, um, I remember I bumped into Corey Brown, just, um, just walking up west in, in Roseville, and he asked me to ask me if I could manage him. So he just changed managers or lost his old manager. Yeah, he just he, he said, oh, "You do the form, and you know, do you want to do you want to try and manage me?" And I, I didn't really know. I said, oh, "I don't know what to do." And he just we well, said, "Well, you just rig people up and chase rides." I thought, oh, yeah, I'll give it a go. And then, so we did that for a little while. And then there came a point where they, uh, I was told I could only do one of the, one of the, one or the other, because either manage jockeys or, or ride track work. So yeah. I had to make a decision which way to go. So luckily I, luckily I gave up the track work. And became, and so Corey was, was your first. Corey was the and, first. Yeah. And, and so obviously, I'm tipping you had uh, some good success with Corey early because if you probably didn't well, have the success, you wouldn't have got the tap on the shoulder to say, mate. That, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, was, it worked out good with Corey because Corey was a brilliant jockey, but at that time he wasn't airborne because he, was, yeah, he was a bit of a lad. And he, uh, so it went, when I started, he, we, we were going to Coffs Harbour, Grafton. We were going to all these places, Cessnock. Wow. So I was just, me and him were just driving to these places four or five times a week. So obviously his ability shone through, and he was just—he just took off, you know. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think because of that, people thought I was maybe a good manager, but I don't you know. I don't think it was anything to do with it. I think it was just Corey was riding where he didn't belong, you know. I had a look. So you've managed obviously Corey. Uh, now Glenn Boss for a period. You had yeah. Nash, Blake Shin. You even managed uh, the late John Marshall. So you've had yeah. some big names in racing. Yeah, my. So after Corey, I think some of the early ones I had would have been Cooksley, yep, Kev Moses, uh, and then Johnny Marshall. Yeah, Johnny Marshall was early because uh, we won the first. My first Melbourne Cup was with Johnny Marshall, and that was '99. Rogan Josh. Yeah. So yeah, and then I Moses Cooksley. Yeah. Um, else? And then actually had a bit of a break in 2000 because Corey went. Corey went to uh, Hong Kong. Yep. And uh, yeah, he just said, "Why don't you come over?" So I thought, well, 
I said, what am I going to do? I said, I'm not that manager over there. And ended up that I could uh, do it. I met a Chinese guy and I could do it. I'm still friends with him now. He, let, he, he was going to, you know, pay my way and let me do a bit of form and help him out with that. So I was uh, I was over there while, while the Olympics was on here. We were over there in Hong Kong. Just, just doing form. Just That's doing form, yeah. Sensational. Yeah. Uh, did you find that? Did you find because a lot of people do like focusing on those areas where there's that smaller pool of horses? Did you find it successful in Hong Kong? Oh, back then, I think I reckon I broke even. But if it's hard over there, it was I found it hard because you know you you've got those two meetings a week and not many races, and you you're there. You feel well, I've got to have a bet. I've got to got to find a winner. Whereas you probably end up betting in races you shouldn't be betting. You know? Yeah. Well, we over here we've we've got the options, haven't we? We've got so much to choose from. You know, you can uh, you can uh, find your own little niche and uh, work out what suits you best. But yeah, it um, it was good fun over there. But um, I wouldn't say it was uh, I wouldn't say it's profitable. What about break, break, break. what what about yeah. managing Huey and Kieran? So you you take that time off and you come back. So, uh, that was only a year. Yeah, and then I came back. And I probably got. I've got Jay Ford around then. Um, I've had Jay since he was a kid, so he won the apprenticeship in early, what was it, 2000 something? So I had Jay early and then I got Corey. Trent Quinton had Corey. Trent Quinton was um, was helping him out. And um, it, I remember remember Trent ringing me. Was it? He said, mate, this is not working for me. So I'm trying to play golf. He said, there's people ringing me for rise. My me, me, me paperwork's flying all over the fairway. He was... Uh, he said, "I need you to, I need you to take him over." So, so I got him off Trent Quinton, and, and um, yeah, that's, uh, that was early two thousands. Mm. So that was a while back, yeah. And um, I've had him. What I had Huey for twenty odd years, and Jay I've had for same twenty odd years. Oh, I was read, I was reading an article, uh, Brian, about. You know your, your dealings with Huey, and maybe you can give shed some light for our listeners here. So, and we touched on it to start the interview where we spoke about how you're always watching races. So, let's say if you're watching a race, and uh, you know you you spot a really good horse, but you know your particular jockey is maybe sort of doing work with another horse, and you know, and they they might be targeting a similar race. And I think you sort of had a similar situation with a horse called So You Think from this article I read last night. Yeah, yeah. So talk us through how much sway you've got or whether – because it's all about uh, relationships too. Like, you know, if you've got a particular jockey riding for a stable and then you take that jockey away, we know that trainers can be quite – you know, and owners can be like, well, you know, bugger yeah, you. Yeah. How do you yeah. play all that game? And and I guess who gets final say? Is it the jockey or do you sort of get final say saying, mate, I'm telling you, this is the way you should go? Oh, it's it's, it's all it, – it, it's very hard to work, explain, and I think your you, your first call is to, is to stick with your um, your main people, you know, really. But if a superstar comes up and you have to knock back one that you've been riding, you've just got to make the call, you know. Um, but your connections who are going to look after you in the future and who have looked after you, probably the way you lean most of the time, you know. Mm. But um, you know, it's. If, if, like I said, if a, if, a, if a top horse comes along and you have to you have to knock back something for your main man, well, you just got to do it, you know. But you know, you talk to the jockeys and get their say, and 
I've been good over the years, but most of them are just they just say I'll leave it to you. You know, you're cool. And yeah. that's that's how it's that's how it's been. Ninety percent song. But you, you get got Bossy and Blake Shin. They you know they probably have a bit more say, but um, you know they they would they would be very opinionated. You know about what they want to ride and what horse is a good horse, what's a bad horse. So. Mm. Yeah, but um, yeah. So yeah, I'd, uh, I started Bossy. Bossy, Bossy. I got in two thousand five. Got him for his. I got him for the last Melbourne Cup, uh, Maccabi Diva. Yeah. Also, Ty England in there. He won the apprenticeship apprenticeship yeah. two thousand seven. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, he was a gun apprentice. Could he um, ride? I want to ask you about that. So you think situation? Can you explain mm, that one to the audience? Um, yeah, I'm trying. He was booked for it. He was booked for it in a race. So this is this is uh, Hugh Bowman was booked. For, yeah, yeah. Hugh, booked for so you think? Yeah, um, he was booked for it. I don't know if it was in Melbourne or Sydney, but he was booked for it. And uh, and then they they made a late decision and changed. And I think around a week later or something, we already had full book somewhere. Uh, the opposite meeting, obviously. And um, yeah, we just uh, we just had them. We just couldn't get out of it. But we didn't know how good he was back then either. I mean, he was handy, but. You know, it was just just a way it worked. Yeah. Just, um, it was just I'm unfortunate, sure. but you have yeah. them every carnival, probably. Oh, absolutely, hundred you know? percent. Yeah, you just yeah, the odd one goes on to be a superstar. But um, there's lots of could have beens and would have beens in racing, isn't there? You know exactly. Um, uh, Brian, I'm, I'm interested to know uh, in relation to Winks. We talk a lot about, obviously, her and, and what it went through, but also, you know, I think something that maybe, look, it is sort of spoken about, but maybe not a lot, is the pressure that Huey was under um, yeah. in terms of her, and it would have been a different type of pressure to anything any of us have ever experienced. You being yeah. very close with Huey, how did you handle that pressure? Because you basically would have been, apart from his family and, and other close mates, I mean, you would have yeah. been... Not the punching yeah. bag, but you would have been right there, sort of yeah, right beside him. Yeah, yeah. I don't think people realise how how tough that. Oh, I should say how tough it was. It was she's a superstar. And it was great for him to ride her, but he, you know, he is pretty low back here. But sometimes he said to me, "I'm I'm absolutely frazzled." I said, "You know, really, it really, um, really was tough work there." You know, and you, you, Chris Waller would have been the same. And yeah. You only, you only have to chat with Luke Nolan and Peter Moody. You know, just it's just relentless. The, the, you know, the the, the the news news stories they uh, they want from them. You know, and it's just just a lot of pressure. And when they when they get get those long winning runs, it's just every race is such pressure. Yeah, and and it would have been yeah. different for you too because gone of the a different situation to just. Organising, you know, trials and, mm. and booking horses. Then you got oh, suddenly yeah, yeah. seven ringing you and and yeah. commercial oh, yeah, media yeah. saying, uh, yeah, "Brian, yeah. we want an interview. We want we want Huey yeah. to go and do this and this." And you're going, "What?" Oh, that that yeah, it was amazing how much stuff they had to do. And, you know, you, you don't realise you think you're, you you hear them on you hear them on one radio station. You're in Sydney, you hear them, on, but you don't realise that then they've got to talk to Perth and they've got to talk to Brisbane and Melbourne. And can't imagine all the all the, all the Media what they had to do, you know, but um, obviously it's well worth it, wasn't it? Oh, 100%. Afraid, now, you did know. you find it, and I've, I've wanted to ask you this, so obviously you've got Winks, who's very important, and is frazzling, Huey, in, in terms of uh, just with everything else going on. 
So how did you manage his uh, calendar or schedule leading into big races? And was there ever conversations with you saying, mate, you know, obviously we've got this meeting, but I'm not going to send you there because I know mentally you need to be prepared. Was there well, any of that happening or did you find uh, that? I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure there was, like, there was definitely there was means where, say, uh, why I'm on a Tuesday or a Thursday or whatever. You know, you could go to those meetings and you get suspended, you know, and then and you're in all sorts of trouble. So, yeah, we cut, we cut down on certain uh, certain means for sure. Um, but you just you've still got to keep doing doing what you're doing, haven't you? You can't yeah you can't just rely on the one horse and you know. But um, yeah, you just you had to be pretty careful. The trials, you know, look, you know, cut down on trials a bit. You know, you got to easily bang your leg or fall off, can't you? You know, so. But in saying that, you still got to you still got to do the day to day stuff. So. But um, yeah, he um, he definitely felt the pressure. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when and when she finished her prep and gone out, it was it was a nice break, nice relief. Mm. Yeah. Gee, you've won some or been involved with some big race wins. I'm chatting this morning with Brian Haskins on Monday's experts. Uh, what have we got? Uh, we've got. Uh, well, you mentioned the Melbourne Cup, Cox Plates, Golden Slippers, Queen Elizabeths, Tab Everest, Doncaster Miles, Japan Cups. Uh, so, uh, I haven't mentioned my favorite, one of my favourite horses, Takeover Target. Actually, well, yeah. I was I was going to get to Takeover because obviously Jay, you mentioned Jay before. I mean, do you remember the first time Jay jumped on Takeover Target? And I do, I do. And, um, and obviously, talk about a story. I mean, that is actually who would you like to play in the movie if they ever made a movie about Takeover Target and they had the manager? I remember when they had the Damien Oliver movie. They had, I think, Sean McAuliffe play. Brian Clark, who's yeah. playing you, Hasco? Oh, gee, I don't know. I'll leave that there. Leave the that to Hollywood? Crew. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave that to casting crew. <laughs> uh, Jason um, Statham. No, yeah. yeah, that, oh, absolutely. How good? I'll cop that. I'll cop that. <laughs> yeah. Now, the actual, we were lucky, it was a, quite lucky to get on this first, um, first day take of a target range. He had, a, he had, he had three or four rides at Gosford. I remember Joe Janney ringing ring us saying, oh, I need to come down to Queanbeyan. I said, oh, we can't. We're going to Gosford. And he said, well, you better just check, have a look at this trial. He said, it goes all right, this horse. I remember looking at it. I went, oh, I spoke to Jane. I said, oh, I reckon it'd be worth going, you know. Wow. So I had to ring, I think I had to ring, my Ray Sullivan, old trainer from Randwick. And he, I think he had Jay on a couple or two or three. And... Yeah, he let he let us off, and he he always well, I was just saying at races. He always, it always remind me. Remember that I let you off. But um, yeah, wow, so it was you know just amazing how things can. What a that's a sliding door moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so we just yeah, so he, he wasn't going. He was you know he definitely wasn't going. Yeah. And then, then he went. Yeah. Yeah, he went went down and won by seven. So. And Jay's a young kid too at the time. He's an apprentice when he wins that maiden back in yeah. 2004. So when he yeah. obviously rings you that night or, you know, comes home from the races and you're saying, he's going, mate, unbelievable. You know, we we won by, you know, we've, we've run 109 and a maiden beaten seven. Did you sort of go, oh, yeah, okay, well. No, I think mate. we both went. I think we went. She's on go. We went there. Yeah, it was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then, but you still didn't, you know, it's Queen being, Queen being maiden. You still, you're not really thinking where he's going to go. Um, but as each, each time we went around, we thought, hang on, this is unbelievable. But, um, yeah. And to go yeah. around the world. 
Yeah, I was out that day when he won at Royal Ascot too, so that was good. Wow. Yeah. Well, that, that would have been a... What a 360 moment is that is for you, the fact that you, you know, yeah. growing up in England, watching the races, uh, going back home and there. Yeah, it was outstanding. Yeah, it's great. Have a, a winner at Royal Ascot, yeah. Yeah. It. What about the day yeah. Nash got on him? Were you managing Nash at the time there? Oh, no, I wasn't. Oh, still... Yeah, I was still trying to work out what happened that day. He, I think... Yeah, Joe, Joe was upset with Joe for something. There were, yeah, there was. Yeah. A, I remember there was the de- the dead weight. Was it the yeah, dead weight know. chat or something? Yeah, and, yeah. I mean Nash sure Nash won on him, and but then Jay gets yeah. back on next start in the yeah in yeah Morfordville. It, it was just Joe Joe. He just I think he's upset with Jay about something. He just wanted to say, look, you know, I'm I'm in control there. Yeah, but um, yeah, but um, no, no, he got back on him, so it was all good. What a yeah. story, Brian. Mm, what a horse. What is your best moment in racing? Um, far. I reckon the big. I reckon the thing I'm most proud of. I reckon would be Corey Brown winning the premiership in against Darren Beaton because it just wasn't possible. Um, what was that? What year was that? Two thousand two. Yeah, we he, he beat Darren Beaton and just like Darren was just a just a machine, wasn't he? He was just mm. unbeatable, and we, and we knocked him off in the premiership. I just never thought we could do that, but that was great. Um, what else? Oh, I, I suppose my I did have a, a good win one day on the Melbourne Cup, a twenty dollar double. That, that I won one hundred ten thousand for twenty dollars. Jeez. Well, yeah, it was. I, I, I was convinced it was all about Northerly. I, I was convinced Northerly was going to run the Caulfield Cup, but it, it was in the press that it was it wasn't going to run. I just thought it, he'll run it for sure, and it was thirty to one. So, you know, he should have been five to one. So I think I backed him straight out. And then I thought, I'd better take some doubles with him in the Melbourne Cup. And I think I took one. Uh, I took a horse of Bart's and I found another one. And then I spoke to a few people. And I had a mate in England who told me this thing was coming over from Dermot Weldhead. And another, John Shell was talking to him and he, he'd done a story on it, I think. And he said, yeah, I think it's coming. I think it goes all right. So I threw it in, you know, three twenty dollars doubles. And I, so it's thirty to one into one hundred and fifty to one. Jeez. But then northerly, then they decided to run northerly, and it won. And then, and then, media puzzle come out and won Geelong. And uh, I was looking good after that. And I remember, I went to the races to watch the race, and uh, I was just, I, I remember heaps of people, you know, saying, "Oh, you know, they heard about the bet." And, I just I can't stay here. I've got to go home. I had to go home and watch it. So I ducked off and watched it at home. And actually, just never, never was worried for one, one second. It just always looked like it was going to win to me. So, so that was good. And that was uh, what a story. Yeah. Then I flew down. To, flew down to Melbourne that night. I was in Sydney. I flew down to Melbourne. <laughs> that is sensational. <laughs> went, out for lunch, went out for dinner with Bossy and Corey and had a big night. Yeah. I yeah, tell you what. It. Uh, I'd like to see the book one day. The book would be good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, before I go, I always ask all of my um, all of my guests this question: uh, If you were standing in front of an eighteen-year-old Brian Haskins, what advice would you give him? Go and buy some land somewhere. Yeah. Uh, don't get in, don't get into the punt. I think that's, I think it's I just think it's too hard now. I think it's it's not as much fun as it used to be, is it? Yeah, 
Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know what I tell him what not to do. But I, no, I'd buy land and the land sounds the good. The land yeah. sounds good, doesn't it? I tell you what. Somewhere. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Go and buy all these houses about yeah. twenty years ago in certain parts of Sydney. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be right. Exactly. No, Mate, that's yeah. I really appreciate you spending some time with us and the listeners because it is something that we do. Not well, we don't. We don't get to hear a lot from uh, from managers, and it's another little facet of the industry. There's a lot of you. Yeah. And yeah. you never stop, mate. So I'll let you get back to work. Good man. Thanks for that. I missed a few calls. Uh, you, <laughs> sure, oh. you did, mate. I hope I haven't cost anyone any rides. Thank you. No, Cheers. no, no. It's all good. Don't worry, buddy. Thanks, mate.